Hey everyone, this is Zev Bennett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series brought to you by Yesod Blocks. Thanks so much for tuning in and for listening. If you're enjoying this content, you can visit us at yesodblocks.com where we have all kinds of new content constantly being uploaded to the platform, the Netflix for Kabbalah, trying to illustrate the big picture of what Torah is and to show how this is all very real. This is this more real than science, or I shouldn't say more real, but as real as science. In other words, it really is the science of consciousness and includes within it all other areas of life, and so it's the most sophisticated system that there is, and it's the access point to Hashem in a real way, as opposed to sort of like some kind of faith-based or imaginary uh, interaction with with uh, a fantastic character in the sky. We're talking about actually Hashem, the way the Torah maps Hashem out, as opposed to looking at our own perceptions of Hashem that we get from who knows where uh, in the world. We're trying to instead access the Torah's description of who Hashem is, and then to begin to live and experience that. So you can achieve that outcome uh, by subscribing at yourselfblocks.com and also supporting what it is that we're trying to create with this platform and this series. So this particular series, as you may know, is we're exploring a separate halacha in every episode in the Shulchan Aruch, the compendium of halacha, uh, halachic rulings from the Talmud, and so uh, every episode we, we look at one halacha, and then we dig into the underlying Kabbalah and Machshava concepts that are embedded in the halacha to sort of guide you to how to think about halacha yourself when you're learning halacha, and that way you can really begin to bring it to life for yourself. Some of us feel that halacha is a little bit dry, a little bit empty, uh, and to sort of show how halacha is a direct pathway mechanically to Hashem. And for those of us who are very spiritual in nature and are looking for ways to actualize our, our intense inner world in a practical way in the outer world, so halacha represents the doorway, the pathway to doing that, because uh, oftentimes when you try to express your spiritual yearnings on the inside based on your own subjective ideas of what should be done, then that very often will simply deviate from what your beloved, which spirituality simply means a relationship with Hashem. Um, and so in order to actually express your, spirit, your inner spirituality, you need to find a way to do that in a way that is actually in synchrony with the significant other in that relationship. And so that is what the halacha is for. We can use that, we can look to the halacha as ways to actually express what uh, what we can do for someone we care about that they actually want, as opposed to what we think would be a good idea to do for them, which sometimes could be true, sometimes it could be false, and we could end up doing things that are not what are really what Hashem wants, not really what are part of the weave of truth of existence and you can do things that actually violate who you are what existence is when you don't really have uh, any kind of root or basis for your ideas of what should be done so that's what we're trying to achieve with halacha in general and that's what this series is about trying to actually do that digging to bridge the underlying intangible spiritual side with the physical practical side we're in siman nun gimel 53 and we're in halacha up to halacha yud bays and what we've been discussing this whole siman, this whole section, has been about the leader of the tefillah group. What are his characteristics? What are the requirements for being the leader of a tefillah group? So in this halacha, the halacha says, Ein memanin mi ainin. You cannot appoint a person who reads the letter um, aleph as if it is an ayin. So there's two different letters. Uh, these, are, these are two different letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph is the first letter. It's the one that we usually think of as like comparable to the letter A. And so it's, it makes the ah sound, it makes the s sound, um, and then we have this letter called ayin, and ayin is more of a guttural letter, it's like it makes an, an ah and s sound, but one that has more of a throat aspect, like ayin, like that, it's a more intense sound like that. And so you're not allowed to appoint somebody, it says here, who reads the letter aleph like it's the letter ayin. Ula um, ayin and alfin, and similarly the other way, other direction, you read um, you read ayins as if they are alephs. Now, 
that, that's all the halacha says. Um, and the idea here is like that, you know, there's, there's a lot mentioned in the Mishnah Brura. He writes here, Perush, what does this mean? The, the um, pronunciation of Ayin is like stronger and deeper than that of the Aleph. And then he says, It's also true somebody who reads a Chet as a He or He as a Chet uh, also should not be able to be the, uh, should, should not be appointed Shaliach Tzibor. And he says, um, But if the way that he's pronouncing it is the way that everybody speaks anyway, so then, then he could be the leader. So this whole this whole halacha only applies if it's a person, if, if everybody speaks one way and this person does not speak properly, so then he's not allowed to be the shaliach tibur. But if everybody talks this way anyway and everybody says aleph like an ayin or vice versa, then he could be the shaliach tibur. Then he says, and also you should know, this is also all true uh, for any person who cannot actually pronounce the letters and speak them properly. Like maybe he has a stutter, he has difficulty in saying these words. We don't let him be the shaliach tibur either. And so the idea that this halacha is, is stating is that a person who wants to be the leader of the tefillah group has to be able to pronounce and to pronounce the letters and the words properly, minimally to pronounce them the way that everybody else pronounces them, even if everybody pronounces them wrong, uh, to at least be able to pronounce them the way that everybody else pronounces them and to be able to read them smoothly and say them smoothly. Um, and maximally, ideally, you should be able to pronounce them the way that they're meant to be pronounced. And so there's a bunch of underlying pieces to this. So the first one I want to address is just in today's culture, this is like an offensive thing a little bit. Because it's kind of like, well, how could you single somebody out for for um, for not being able to pronounce the words properly or not be able to read properly, you know, not be able to lead the group properly because of that? Like, uh, you know, that's not nice. It's not a nice thing to do. You're you're being you're you know, you're. You're, it's embarrassing to the person, and you're, it's mean, and like everybody should be able to, to, to be a leader of the group. Why should there be these differentiations? So there's an inherent, there's like a couple of inherent fallacies in that perspective, but it's a super popular and common perspective. So I'll just, I want to outline first the, the core fallacy, because it's very much, um, it's pervasive in so many areas. So the Torah's perspective on how we are designed is that we are an endless self, an neshama that is absolutely irreplaceable. That is, that we, that, that's, that's where the idea of the sanctity of life comes from, that every human being is irre, irreplaceable and should never be, uh, you know, should, should always be treated with respect and, and properly um, viewed as someone special. That's in terms of the inner side, the human side, the, um, the soul side, the neshama side, that is the essence of who you are. That is the consciousness that is looking out through the eyes uh, of, the, of the body and that we really are constantly trying to connect with. That's the real you. But then that self is, is um, manifest into the world through all these different tools, all these different uh, layers and aspects that, are, that form what we call the body. And so and that, on that side, uh, there is no idea of, of absolute uniqueness or, or specialness or, or ultimate self-worth on that side. The body is simply a collection of tools, and those tools vary from person to person, and even they even vary within one particular person. In other words, when you are one age, let's say you're 20, you could have a bunch of tools that you can use in a certain way. When you're 40, suddenly those you have a totally different set of tools because you've developed those tools, you can change them. They're constantly evolving. And so this idea that um, that, that that people are special and should be treated as such is true in respect, like in regards to the underlying self that is there. But in terms of the actual things that they can do and the the the, the, the abilities that they have and the way that they are practically in the world, so there there is a huge amount of variance. And so, for example, people always talk about how it's not healthy to compare yourself to other people. 
Uh, but then you also have like Gemara's which talk about um, how there's something called kinasofrim, which is basically where uh, the the competitiveness between experts, between um, scholars, can drive greater learning, greater knowledge, greater growth. It's so like, well, which is it? Is it better to, to look at other people and say, oh, they think they're better than me, I'm going to compete with them? Or is it not good to do that? And the answer is, well, it, there's two aspects to the you that, that could theoretically be compared. If you're trying to compare yourself to somebody else on the level of your tools, and then you actually let that comparison bleed into your awareness of yourself as an irreplaceable, endless self, now there is a problem. And, and the problem is this. You, are, like, you, you really are made up of two different, completely opposite parts. And one of those parts is the essence of who you are. That's, that's where you should really be drawing your self-worth from. Who am I? You can't, hurt, you can't insult me in a way that actually touches who I am because I know that I'm an endless, irreplaceable self. I'm an neshama. And so, you know, sticks and stones uh, may break my bones, but you can never really hurt me on the inside. Na- like, names will never hurt me. Sticks and stones will also not hurt me on the level of myself. And that's exactly what many people will discover when they are put into situations of adversity. And they say, hmm, I can actually choose to respond to these uh, adverse circumstances uh, uh, according to what I think is right because I'm above them. I'm separate from them. I'm beyond them. The self cannot be touched. You are a changeless core. You are a, a an untouchable inner self that can never really be hurt or changed or impacted by what's going on on the outside layers of being. So when you have that, when you have that strongly anchored in your mind, and you really see yourself that way. So then you can now start to look at, at the things that you that you have, your different abilities, your different talents, and you can say, hmm, that person is better than me at that thing. I'm going to look to them now and actually try to imitate them and get better at it myself. Instead of looking at them and saying, hmm, that person is better than me in that thing with that with those those abilities, now that makes me confused about how I view myself on the level of my neshama, and I must not really be worth anything because that person is better than me in that thing. You're now comparing apples and oranges. You're comparing the, the toolkit side to the the to the neshama side to the essence side of yourself and so that's what what we need to do is compare apples to apples i'm never going to be comparable to you because i'm a a neshama that is infinite endless and irreplaceable and so are you and if i have a strong handle on that then i have profound self-esteem i know myself and therefore i can't ever you know i can't really be harmed um but but on the talent side, if I have a strong anchor on the neshama side, I can look at you and I can say, hmm, I can learn from you now. I don't Because that has nothing to do with my sense of self-worth. I can simply look to you and I can see, wow, you're really good at that thing. I'm going to now try to um, imitate that and get better at that thing as well. So that's the, the structural truth that we're supposed to constantly be accessing. That on the one hand, having one hand linking us and anchoring us in the value of who we really are in the level of essence. And then on the other hand, we have this... Um, this expression in the physical world of all, through the body and all of its attributes and that that on that side we can look at other attributes other people other situations and compare our set of tools to those other tools so that we can actually improve ourselves and become more and more actualized that, that 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 differentiation is like super super important it's literally the key to not being jealous to not having ego issues to not constantly feeling like you're being belittled or, or derided or whatever so that's really like a, a very key fallacy that needs to be corrected and it's also a fallacy politically i mean the way people think about the left versus the right oh like you know we have to all all people are are special so we have to let anybody who wants to come into our country come in there shouldn't be any border laws you know around countries well that's not that's true all people are special on level of the neshama but in terms of the way they manifest in their in their attributes and their talents and their abilities they're all very different and you have to and we don't evaluate people based on that on that first criteria criterion because it's not the only thing which is important. If you're bringing people into your country and some of them have uh, ways of manifestation that are very destructive, then you want to not bring those people in, just like you wouldn't bring those people into your home. Not We're not all the same on the level of, of how we are behaviorally, even if we are all the same on the level of our inner essence and, and inner value. 
So those two things are, are, are different, and they have to be understood, each one in their proper context. So here, what the halacha is talking about is exactly that point. It's saying, well, a person who, on the level of the way that they are, the way that they do things practically in the world, they're not able to read, let's say, or they don't know enough about the, the ways that these letters mean things and how each of them has a particular set of nuances to it. So a person who doesn't, who doesn't know those things, so they cannot lead. Uh, they cannot, and, and the reason they cannot lead is because they are not actually effective leaders uh, for a tefillah group. So that's, that's something which now acts as an obstacle, and Allah here says that they, sh- they should not be allowed to lead because that is a serious problem in terms of what we're trying to accomplish as a tefillah group. So if you're looking at the world and saying, well, well, you know, that, that's insulting, it's not insulting because there's nothing to do with the person's level of essence. No one is saying that person is not an endless self, and, we sh- and there are plenty of ways to reinforce that side of things, um, which is why you don't go up to a person in public and say, you can't lead the group now because you don't, you don't know how to read. That would now be doing it in such a way that is likely to cause a distortion in the person's mind, and they'll start to feel like, like he, not only are they are they being turned down because of their their skills, they're being turned down because they're not worthy as a person. Because you're basically embarrassing them in a very intense way. So you have to basically relate to people as if they are, on the one hand, endless selves, treating them with respect from that side, but also on the other hand, being realistic and honest about their limitations in terms of their abilities. So you have to you, you have to tell them, but you also have to tell them in a way that is that does not destroy their awareness of themselves as an endless self. That's why we are respectful, even as we are rejecting. So that's very important in in any context when you're rejecting any for a job or, or you know for uh, for a date like whatever it is is to do it in a way that on the one hand is honest on the other hand is also um, not unnecessarily corrosive on the level of the self so that's the that's the halakha here now the second piece that I want to just me- mention is that the reason why this is also a problem and the way that the Mishabura articulates it well if everybody speaks speaks wrongly in this area so then this guy could be the chazan because they all talk that way anyway so that's the second element here which is that the 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 problem with a person who is not a, who, who is who is not educated or does not know the letters uh, properly in this type of setting is that it draws people's attention to something which is different. In other words, das tovara, the energy of the tree of knowledge, uh, the tree of of perceptual knowledge of subjective good and evil. So, it, 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 as we've discussed in all these episodes until now, it gives us this tendency to evaluate the world through our own subjective distorted lenses of whatever it is that we are interested in, as opposed to what's objectively there. So, uh, what what we tend to then notice is if there's somebody who stands out in some way and they're different, it'll draw our attention to that and create more distortions in our perceptual landscape. Our perceptions will actually become twisted around as we're noticing, oh, that guy, he sounds so weird. He's speaking in such a weird way. He doesn't know how to read. Like, what, you know, what, why, why is that? Like, what's wrong with him? Why can't he read properly? Like, all these kinds of thoughts will come into our minds when we're exposed to somebody who doesn't, uh, who doesn't speak and read well or the way that we do. So there's that, that's a problem during a state of tefillah because in a state of tefillah, we're supposed to be accessing uh, as clear and as true perceptions as we can within ourselves, not getting distracted by these externalities. And so we try to reduce those externalities whenever possible. And in situations, and the, you know, the Mishnah here brings down other examples. He's like, well, what if there's nobody else? What if this is the only way? So then there, are, you know, we make dispensations in situations like that because we say, well, it's better to have at least something than to have nothing. But ideally, we want to have a situation where the leader of the tefillah group is somebody who is a higher state of consciousness and also able to bring everybody else around them to a higher state of consciousness as well because they know how to read, they know how, they know how to pronounce the letters, and then those letters and words uh, behave and act as they're supposed to as triggers for the cascades of thoughts that we're supposed to have to then straighten out our perceptions and develop higher states of consciousness ourselves. That's the whole point uh, of the setting. So those are the two aspects of the halakha that, that are going on here. Uh, again, one is just recognizing the balance of like of, of the self versus the set of tools. And the other one is just to understand that this is, a, in terms of being a leader of a, of, a, of a tefillah group, you have to have these things relatively, um, as we said earlier, 
the the shaliach tzibur, the chazan, is supposed to be you know um, able to easily mix together with other people that people look look up to him and love him and feel they can connect to him because we want to try to reduce the distortions and instead increase and enhance the connections to allow for higher and higher states of tefillah uh, in the tefillah group. So hopefully that was clarifying and useful. Thanks again for tuning in and check us out at yesoblocks.com. You can subscribe there and support what we're doing. Looking forward to having you join me for the next episode.